Hello. Greetings. Thanks for your interest in spiritual matters. My name is Ethan and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples on the west side of Los Angeles. As I'm sure you're aware, we live in a world full of a lot of different religious claims. There's all kinds of religions out there. A lot of people claim to have no religion at all. And in this sea of claims about who God is, how he might be known, what are we to do? It would be good for us to see if we could find a way to see if God can be known, whether he's revealed himself in any way to mankind. As Christians, our contention is that one source stands taller than the rest, is profoundly uh, compelling, and has been a powerful driver for years, and that is the Bible. It is our goal today to understand the Bible as our spiritual standard for faith and practice. Why is it that Christians follow the Bible as their standard of faith and practice, and how does that claim hold up to the claims of others regarding other sources of authority? Well, what is the Bible? The Bible comes from the Greek word biblia, which means books, and the Bible is a collection of books. Uh, Old and New Testaments, there's 39 in the Old, 27 in the New, making up 66 books. It was written over a period of 1,500 years, from about 1,400 uh, before now, before Jesus, excuse me, to 100 uh, after. So, a long period of time. That's from about 3,400 years to 1,900 years ago. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, parts of it are in Aramaic. The New Testament was originally written in the common Greek of the first century. Now, in Ephesians 3 and verse 11, we're told that God had an eternal plan that he realized in Jesus Christ, and that's really the overall story of the Bible. That God worked with individuals, we call them the patriarchs, uh, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God then worked with the nation Israel, and then God brought forth salvation to the entire world in Christ Jesus. And so the Bible reveals this story, and the glory that is to come for those who put their trust in God, in Jesus. And the value and sanctity of the Bible have been recognized for millennia. So what does the Bible claim for itself? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, Paul says, How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And as... Uh, Peter will say in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God has spoken to the prophets, to our fathers, long ago, and now has spoken to us in Jesus and those who came after him, the apostles. And that is what we have in Scripture. And the Bible claims that Scriptures represent the will of God, is made known by him, and the truth behind many of the events in human history. And that it is the only source to be able to equip the man of God for every good work. It is a place where we learn of Jesus, who is the truth, the way, and the life. And the Bible presents the claim 
the means by which one can have association with God and therefore gain eternal life. In 1 John 1, 1-5, John wrote, so that those who he who heard him would have fellowship with them as their fellowship was with the Father. So these are very strong claims. And many other religions, and even within many within Christianity, do not fully accept the claims that, in fact, the Bible is all-sufficient for its purpose in equipping the man of God for every good work. Do these religions or alternative beliefs have a better way? It's something that we need to consider when recognizing whether the Bible can be our spiritual standard or not. Now, many religions focus on experiential learning than an objective standard. For instance, uh, Zen Buddhism is very famous for this, that it's the lessons are not really going to be written out in a lot of places. Instead, it's a way of instructing and through some kind of uh, experience. Animist religions can be that way as well. A lot of times in these religions, the focus is on the self or on the collective of ancestors. Uh, Zen Buddhism and things of that nature have gained a lot of popularity in America in recent years. But can it be from ourselves that understanding can be gained? How could we measure this understanding compared to the understanding of others. Uh, in the cultural crisis of this, we see the result is of pluralism, at least the way it's being practiced in America, is kind of a relativism. That what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me. But any amount of, of assessment of that will realize the, the, the bankruptcy of that, because there, if anything that is true for me is false for you, at some point we're going to come to loggerheads about that. And it's not going to end well for one or both of us. And that that's no real way of measuring truth. And it's a very chaotic concept to be focused on such a sense of self or such a sense of experience, something uh, that cannot be uh, spoken of in a way that Jesus has spoken. A lot of religions also do a lot more to enshrine cultural values than true religion. A lot of religions come out of cultural traditions. People have done things for a long time in certain ways. And those are now the ways they're done. And that's the way it should be. In Hinduism, for instance, in India, enshrines Aryan culture, the second millennium BC, or maybe even native Indian traditions that are far older, barely in a desire to hide the polytheism of past generations. Sure, some will claim that uh, all things are emanations of Brahman, Brahma, but uh, you still have plenty of people dedicated to all the various different gods. And to this very day in India, we have the caste system in place, which uh, is the power structure set up for the few to retain the power over the many. Many of the animist native religions consider the ancestors to be divinities, or find divinities in the creation, not the creator. And even in religions like Judaism and Islam, we find a lot of cultural traditions being enshrined as religion, and also, of course, in Christianity as well where certain cultural trends uh, become enshrined, either past trends, where, uh, for example, some people may take a certain version of the Bible and think it's the only Bible that can be used, or modern trends, where all of a sudden, in churches that would never have accepted certain kinds of practices, all of a sudden now they're being accepted for the first time in thousands of years. If religion is going to be true, it cannot be just a vehicle of culture to suit its desires, because then culture is driving it, not anything divine. Islam is very popular right now in our world, and it is believed to be a supposed revelation of Muhammad. It's interesting, the Quran does treat the Bible as an inspired book, yet interestingly, 
a lot of the things that Muhammad would claim about the Bible aren't necessarily truly accurate to the Bible. Uh, a lot of the complaints Muhammad has about Christianity rooted less in what the Bible actually says and more in the Catholic traditions that he might have heard of. Um, the idea that Muhammad even received revelation. Uh, the Bible gives no indication that such would come to pass or need to come to pass, because what could Allah have made known to Muhammad that he had not already made known in the fullness of God in Jesus? And interestingly, and again, worth noting, Islam is a religion of the Arabs geared toward the Arabs, rewriting history to fit the Arabs in. So Ishmael is a child of promise, not Isaac. Abraham is said to have gone to Arabia and not into uh, Israel, Canaan. Heaven is portrayed as an oasis with beautiful women waiting. Jihad, or holy war, is the means on which territory can be gained. And it's hard to argue with uh, Islam's success on an earthly level. It has maintained sovereignty over territory in the Middle East, and many areas well beyond the Middle East, for a very long time. But that's because that's where its focus is, is on maintaining that kind of hegemony. And so it's a revelation not promised, and a rep religion focused on a certain group, and his claims are not as strong as the claim we see of God and Jesus made known in the Bible. Of course, there's Judaism. And the Jewish religion remains, and it accepts the claims of the Old Testament, but rejects the New. But their claims are not exactly ex the same as what you see. Uh, if you think Israelites today are just found the law of Moses, they're, they're not. They're not offering sacrifices. There's no temple to go to. In uh, Matthew 24, Jesus indicated the temple will be destroyed, and it was destroyed in the year 70. And it's a very interesting thing that happened there, since Romans were very superstitious people. They did not want to make any god angry at them, so if they had to go destroy temples, they generally rebuilt them. With one notable exception, they did not allow Jews to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And it has not been rebuilt to this day. In fact... As much time has now passed between the destruction of the temple and now has passed between the time of the destruction of the second temple and the days of Abraham. So the time of that covenant is, you know, is very uh, suspect. In fact, if you look at what you have in modern Judaism, it is a religion that developed most of its traditions and customs around the same time Christianity was developed. They're in the first century and rooted in the traditions that had been to come out of the destruction of the Second Temple at the end of the Second Temple period. And so the claim of Judaism, of being a, a greatly antiquated religion, is compromised in that sense. Is that there are certain continuities all the way back to Moses, sure, uh, but you could say the same about Christianity. The claims are you know, robust for both. And uh, the situation that the Jews find themselves in relative to their temple uh, very much better explained by what Jesus said in the New Testament than anything that they would have to be able to say from what had been written in the prophets. Another one group we need to talk about are the Gnostics. We hear a lot about Gnostics today, but normally you don't hear about them as Gnostics. You, you hear them about as a, different types of Christians, perhaps, or uh, other Christians, or, some, or alternative Christianities. Uh, people are trying to make it sound more attractive. Gnostics believed a lot of different things, but most of them share in kind of a combination of Christianity and various Greek philosophies. And a lot of the books that they wrote from the 2nd through 4th centuries have been uncovered in recent years in Egypt. And a lot of people say, hey, these are the books taken out of the Bible, these are the ones that they didn't want you to hear about. 
banned from the Bible. People want to go there. But these books, like the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Truth, the Gospel of Philip, were known to early Christians, but they were never considered for a moment to be entered into the canon. They may have been lost to us for a while, but they were known then, and we know about them because they were quoting them as they were refuting the beliefs. These are books written far later that did not reflect anything uh, from anybody who had actually seen Jesus. And again, this is something very important to keep in mind. Um, if over time all that we had left about the JFK assassination was the Warren Commission and a bunch of the fringe conspiracy novels, would we want people 2,000 years from now to treat both books on an equal playing field? I don't think so. Same with all things that claim to be Gospels. Just because somebody wrote down something called it the Gospel didn't mean that they saw Jesus or had any experience with Jesus in a way that reflected reality. And uh, we can see a lot of uh, influence on Gnostic works from the New Testament. In the New Testament, Colossians 2.8, 2 John 1.8-9, there are warnings about the dangers of, of philosophy, the rudiments of the world, uh, denying the fleshly reality of Jesus and the things that the Gnostics were doing. And so the claims of the Gnostics do not stand in, against the truth of the Bible. But of course, it's not just from other religions that the claims of the, of the Bible are questioned, but even from those who would profess Jesus. Uh, many have claimed over time to receive revelations beyond what is made known in the New Testament. And others insist that they have authority that continues on. And this is something that we definitely need to, to take into account. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul does envision a day where what they had currently in part would no longer continue. He says, uh, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, you'll pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Someone suggests that the partial would be Jesus, but or, or love or something of the sort. It's a neuter in the Greek. It's a partial thing. And of course, the question is, what is the what what is the the perfect thing? Excuse me, uh, is is a neuter. Uh, it was the partial of which the perfect would come. The partial they had then was knowledge, was this kind of insight, uh, the full revelation of what God is doing in Jesus. Um, no one can experience Jesus in the flesh anymore. The the apostles had a one time experience. Uh, Jesus is not continually being brought back to die, to rise again, to instruct a new generation of apostles. In fact, Peter wrote and to have his words to be remembered over time. And so we see a definite discontinuity uh, with the apostles. Even the earliest Christians after them, uh, Clement and Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, they start quoting the people from the past. They're not uh, insisting on their own authority. They understand that what they're saying is not at the same level as what those said that came before. And so we have all these people throughout history since who've claimed, hey, I've got new add-ons, I've gotten things you need to know now. Joseph Smith, Ellen White, Mary Baker, Eddie, others have claimed to receive these new revelations. Well, if, if they were even to be acceptable, we'd have to turn and test them according to what the Word says in 1 John 4 and verse 1. And those claims just don't align with what God has said. They add things that indicate cultural uh, situations. Uh, they represent full-blown Gnosticism in its own way, with Mary Baker Eddy, uh, based in flawed premillennial systems with uh, Joseph and Ellen White, and do not respect what has been made known in the scriptures. And uh, 
Now, there are many who won't go that far, but they still claim that the Spirit is of greater consequence than Scripture. Uh, what's interesting is that even those who are given the Spirit in the New Testament uh, insisted on the power and authority of the written word. Acts 2 is a great example of this. Peter doesn't stand up on the day of Pentecost and say, hey, everybody, everybody, God told me through the Spirit to tell you something today. He didn't say that. He never says, well, the Spirit told me to tell you this. Instead, he just speaks. And the Spirit is working through him to speak in a persuasive argument rooted in Scripture that could be understood, heard, and applied. That's the difference. It's not based on personal experience, even though Peter had personal experience. His eyewitness testimony was important, but it wasn't based on an experience of the Spirit. He said, yes, God has poured out this thing that you have seen according to what he had said. And you look at Acts 10, you look at Acts 13, Acts 17 even. Uh, when the Spirit is, is, is inspiring people to provide a message, it doesn't have to say, hey, the Holy Spirit's talking here. Uh, it is rooted in the authority of what has been made known and persuades people based on that. The Spirit is going to work in harmony with the word that he has spoken. He's not going to work against it. And, of course, there are some denominations that suggest that there is a tradition that must be followed. And, in fact, we'll put tradition over Scripture, very much thinking of Roman Catholicism, where tradition interprets Scripture not the other way around. In order to have that, you have to suggest some kind of con continuity in tradition that any uh, objective or reasonable investigation will show is a complete uh, fallacy, that there's plenty of disagreements, that none of the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th century Christians would have recognized Roman Catholicism as its practice today uh, because of all the things that have changed in it. And the traditions aren't consistent and they often contradict the Word of God. In Matthew 15, in 1st Timothy 4, Paul, Jesus warns us, warned the Pharisees, you have con you've set aside the word of God for the sake of your tradition. That's a very real danger with tradition. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul warns against those who heed doctrines of demons and fall away from the truth. And a lot of groups are guilty of this. They hold to doctrines of men in past century and then to turn and follow the word and to follow Jesus according to what he said in the word. That They maintain these loyalties to the way things were seen 100 years ago, 200, 300, 400 years ago, as opposed to uh, seeking to understand what God has made known 2,000 years ago and let that inform through time. So, a lot of various claims are made. And, of course, we've just barely scratched the surface of most of them. But this is why we looked at the Bible as our spiritual standard. Because the idea of experientialism and religions uh, is no a standard that can be used and measured and, and assessed and, and to be clarified. Uh, if Jesus really is God in the flesh, then everything about him is compelling, and most people recognize how Jesus is compelling, then we should certainly learn of Jesus, and we learn about Jesus in the scriptures. We see that people can't really add to the scriptures the way they think they can. Uh, you can't really add to what God has made known in Jesus uh, without changing Jesus significantly. And Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever in Hebrews 13.8. And so if it was sufficient in the first century, it should be sufficient now. And that is why, for the Christian, the Bible is our standard for faith and practice, and we reject all these other claims from other religions and from those who would add to this claim in Christianity itself. And therefore, let us learn of the Scriptures, trust in God and Christ from what we learn in Scripture, and seek to follow Him. 
We're again so glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you've been benefited by this. If uh, you would, please share this with friends and family and others on social media. If we can be of any service, please uh, contact us through our website at uh, VenetiaChristChrist.org. And you can reach me at my website, DeVerbalVitae.com. That's www.DeVerbalVitae.com. Again, thank you. Have a great day.